The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the two-point conversation football talk for fans by fans right here on the network at bicbp-radio.com my name is matt johnson one of your hosts alongside me for your nfl history episodes mr Andrew lens hello andrew happy friday to you i <laughs> just how you said it kind of <laughs> you were going really slow and then it went really fast. So. I did. I don't know. I'm tired today. It's <laughs> yeah. Exhausting. A little exhausted today. Well, you got a f- couple hours of sleep, so I'm not too bad. My kids go back to school on Monday, so I'm pretty hyped about that. Oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. I don't really have anything to do tonight either recording wise or anything. So I'm a, you know, I, I get to chill out. So it's, okay. uh, it's, it's a nice evening. Catch up on shows. Yeah. I actually, I don't know if there is anything. DoorDash, uh, Peacemaker. Check that out. I finished it. I finished it. Oh, you finished it? Uh, yeah, that's really about it. You watch some old uh, droids cartoons <laughs> on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you say Beast Wars or whatever was on Netflix? Uh, There's, I got to find Beast Wars. I don't know. Oh my goodness! I am like, I that's that's your Transformers. I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to realize things that yeah. things are in different generations. Like, not to get too off topic, I made a comment on another podcast. I was a little bit more excited for Picard season two than I am for Kenobi. But I, Picard's my guy compared to. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was like in my Star Wars was like he was there, he died, he was a ghost, and he came back as a ghost. He wasn't this cool Obi-Wan that you guys got later on. <laughs> you grew up with Obi-Wan, I think a little bit more than what I did. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. That's true. My, yeah, yeah, just kind of like uh, the guy we're going to be talking about today. I think we both kind of grew up in some aspect of two different station or networks that he worked for, you know, that we I know him from one mainly from one network and, you know, him mainly from another. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about uh, Pat Summerall today, the uh, one half of the wonderful duo of uh you know john madden john madden and uh and, and pat summerall were one of the best commentary duos of all time uh, i think many 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 people would agree with that if if they don't think they're the best duo of all time they're definitely a top three. So, oh yeah without a doubt so yeah summerall was uh summerall was fun i, I definitely his voice 
you know, uh, being in as, you know, also in the Madden games and, and so much more. I think it, when I think of 90s football games and, and the commentary that goes over it, it's it, it's it's Summerall is is the be all end all. Right. It is, uh, he, his voice would change tone. But he had a really nice, straightforward way of doing it. Right. He was because he's more. Well, I, I can't say he's more the analyst. He's, you know, John Madden was the colorful character, right? Because Madden was technically the color guy, right? Yeah. So that's what I figured. So, you know, where John Madden was animated, Pat Summerall was straight to the point in his own, in his own way, in, in, in a really good way at that. List away. I think that's what it was. And I, I think that's why him and John Madden work so well is, Madden could go off on his wacky tangent and then Summerall just kind of brings him back and brings you back into the game after, you know, all the doodlings and everything else. He brings you back to just the pure minimum part of the game. Guy throws the ball, guy catches the ball, touchdown, so many yards gained or anything in that aspect. He he could paint you a picture in very few words. Right. Right. He didn't need gimmicks, bells and whistles, all that jazz for, uh, um, you know, to, to, to be good at his job. Right. Last week. And we're not taking anything away from Myron Cope. We talked, well, we talked about Myron Cope last week and he was uh, a, a bells and whistles kind of guy. Very excitable. Very excitable. Um, where Pat Summerall was straight to the point and, but he found a way to do it and be memorable. Yes. And I think that's that's why he's so highly regarded. Um, you know, in the world of commentary. It's why he's so highly praised. He he really he, he knew his job and uh he did it very, very well at a high level for a very long time. And uh man, I, I love John Madden and his relationship. I know Madden's gonna get mentioned quite a bit today. I just always appreciate the relationship because it transcended off screen. It wasn't just it wasn't just what we heard when we were watching football. It was what you know they were great friends off screen, and uh, it it just it, it made for one of the best commentary duos of all time. It's definitely a, a yin and a yang with them. You needed one. You couldn't have two colorful guys like John Madden in the booth or get too crazy. You needed that balance, and I think this is probably the most balanced like you said you may not consider him the best but definitely the most balanced commentary duo ever yeah yeah hey i hold them in the highest regard and and they're the ultimate measuring stick that in my opinion everybody when when you compare you know announcing duos uh, to, to me you always look at you know it's pat summerall and john madden and everybody else and you know how how good are they comparatively? So um, to me, in my estimation, I don't think we've ever quite hit that, and I don't know if we ever will. I don't think we. Have. <laughs> I don't think we ever will. Yeah. No matter who's in there. No, no doubt. So let's get. He's got a rich history. So let's uh, let's get to talk. Let's get to talking about our our man, Mister Pat Summerall. Um, grew up. He went to uh, high school at Columbia High School in Lake City, Florida. And he played football, tennis, baseball, and basketball. So a four-sport athlete. That's uh, that is impressive. 
but he uh, basketball was his favorite sport and he was an all state uh, selection in basketball and football. And he was eventually uh, inducted into the Florida high school uh, athletic association hall of fame and was named to the all century team. So a stellar athlete, I think that's something that gets lost on a lot of people, even myself is, I mean, everybody kind of plays high school sports or just something involved in high school, but he was actually, he was actually really good at playing, <laughs> playing sports. Yeah. He was, and he was also born with a club foot, which they had a break and reset really at an early age. And the doctor said he'll be able to walk, but I don't know if he'd be able to run and play with the kids. Like, you know, like all the other kids do. Huh. And, well, I kind of, kind of sh- showed him up on that aspect a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, hey, it worked out for him in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out for him in a sense. Uh, it, so yeah, so he went to college and he played uh, college football from forty nine to fifty one at the University of Arkansas. Uh, he played the end, tight end, and a place kicker. All right, uh, which is where he would uh, make his money eventually. The National Football League. And he graduated from college in 1953, majoring in Russian history, which yeah. is good for intellectual. Smart. I mean, I like history, but I don't know if I spend all that money at all. It's probably cheaper back then too. But was, I probably had a scholarship too. So yeah, but it, well, now that well, now that we. Uh, you know, now, now that I say it out loud, it's like, man, he didn't go to school for broadcasting. And I guess you don't really have to um, retrospectively. I guess you don't have to go to school for broadcasting uh, to be a broadcaster. But it is interesting. Russian history. That's uh, curious. I'm curious. What do you do with a Russian history degree? You teach teach it at college? That's the only thing I could think of. Hmm. It's some sort of teaching degree. Do you go over? Well, no, you didn't go over to Russia at this point. No, no, not not <laughs> not 1953. You didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah the, the U.S. and Russian history just kicked in my head. <laughs> like, if you go over to Russia, you teach it. Yeah. No, you didn't do that. No, no, you did not. Um, but uh, yeah, so Summerall did pretty well for himself after that. So he actually, for those who don't know. Uh, he did make it to the National Football League, and he spent 10 years doing it, yeah. uh, primarily as a place kicker. They did have him. Uh, he does have a football card out there from 1955 where he's listed as an end, but place kicking is where he that, that's where he was, you know, that's where he was big at. Uh, the Detroit Lions drafted him fourth in the fourth round of the 1952 NFL draft, and uh, he broke his arm. He broke his arm during the preseason. And he unfortunately didn't get to play really much at all, of course, with this in his rookie year. After that season, Detroit traded him to the, the Cardinals, where he played from 1953 to the 1957. And uh, this is something I learned doing research for this episode. He was a part of the greatest game ever played. He was a kicker for the New York Giants in 1958 to 1961 but 58 being that famous NFL championship game against the, uh, the Baltimore Colts at that time. Uh, did you know that beforehand? I had a feeling about it. Cause I knew he, I, I didn't know he was drafted by Detroit or he played for the Cardinals. I knew he was, I knew he was a giant and I figured he was a giant in the fifties. So I had, 
I was about oh, 80% sure that he was part of that Giants team. Because, you know, doing the research, I also found out he was a big part of getting them to that game because he forced a, a playoff between the Giants and the Browns to get to that game uh, by kicking a game-winning field goal, which is like one of the biggest uh, things in Giants history as well. And when he actually was drafted by the Lions, he talked to his father and he was like, they're offering me $6,000 to play professional football. And his father said, let me get this straight. They're offering you $6,000 to play something. And he's like, yeah, he was like, you better take it. Cause last time I checked, you would have to work for (laughs) $6,000. So that's all he really needed to do was to get a, boost in and his years with the Cardinals he said were the absolute worst exactly he was he said it was not a class organization at all (laughs) so yeah the more things change the more they stay the same I guess there (laughs) ain't that a fact well of course you mentioned this is the salary that he got and me I had you know me going I had to look I had to look at the inflation calculator so in 1952, $6,000. So from $6,000 in 1952 is, is about $64,000 in today's money. So considering where the NFL was at at that point, as far as not being this massive, you know, conglomerate, this, you know, with TV deals and merchandising and all that stuff, eh, it's not bad. Yeah. And then when he was traded to the Giants, because he was looking at, he was actually going to retire at the end of 57. Then he was traded to the Giants. And the way that he found out he got traded by to the Giants was through the newspaper. <laughs> oh, so that so the, the more the more things change, the more they stay the same in that regard, too. Yeah. Now instead of finding out in the newspaper, you find out on Twitter that you've been released or traded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so he just picked up the newspaper and was like, oh, I guess I'll go to the Giants then. <laughs> good for him um so yeah so as you said he spent 10 years uh his best professional year statistically was 1959 and he scored 90 points that season he went 30 for 30 on extra points and 20 for 29 in field goals uh, but his best moment as a uh, as a kick in the national football league was in 1958 uh him and his giants against the browns in, in at yankee stadium which is, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool on its own, especially at that time to be playing football in there. Uh, but there was no overtime during regular season games. Uh, standings, ties were broken by a playoff, and there were no wild card teams. So it was nothing like what it is today. And uh, this meant that only the Eastern Conference champion would qualify for the NFL championship game uh, to be held two weeks later. And it meant that the Giants had to win to force a tiebreaker playoff game. Uh, the Browns only needed a tie to clinch the Eastern championship. So as time was running out, the giants and Browns were tied 10, 10 situation that favored the Browns and the, uh, giants got barely into Cleveland territory and Summerall uh, made a field goal, a 49 field, 49 yard field goal with uh, swirling winds and snow. So yeah. Vinatieri? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much is. So uh, it's a pretty big moment. We know how much pressure those those poor kickers, you know, they get. Yeah. 
So pretty cool moment there for uh, Mr. Summerall. Uh, oh, Vince Lombardi didn't want to send him any. That's that's kind yeah. of interesting, but um, Barry Connolly, I guess, asked him what he was doing when he got sent out there. This Trevor <laughs> Connolly, the quarterback for the Giants, was also his holder and was like, "What are you doing out here?" They were like, "We want you to." <laughs> they sent me out to kick the field goal, and he's like, "Really?" And he, and Summerall was like, "That was." Dumb. Just a huge vote of confidence for me that I was going to make this kick. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was pretty much his playing uh, career in a, in a nutshell. His last game was December 31st, 1961. And uh, he lost to his former head coaches, Packers, 37 nothing. So, yeah, that was a wrap for, uh, that was a wrap for uh, Mr. Pat Summerall. Uh, in 1960s, in the early 1960s, he started to uh, he started to do broadcasting. He jumped over to radio. He was a morning host on uh, in New York City, and he left the job when he went to uh, just straight news. But he co- also co-hosted a uh, syndicated NFL film series this week in pro football in the late 60s and 70s, and he was associated with a production company down in Dallas. So he he stayed busy um, he actually had his own production company i did not realize this pat summerall productions psp but uh very got very heavily involved he didn't want to be you know he didn't really want to be away from the game but you know instantaneously going into broadcasting and he just got to work with so many great people yeah his his well CBS called. He was sharing an apartment with a group of Giants teammates. CBS called looking for Carol Connolly. And Summerall picked up the phone because they were living together. And they were like, hey, can you tell Charlie to come down and audition? And they heard his voice. And they were like, you know what? Why don't you come down and audition as well? So that's how we got into radio and everything else. Kind of just by accident and faith right there. Yeah, yeah, it worked. Yeah, 1962, he got hired officially uh, as color commentator on the network's NFL coverage, and they, yeah, they 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 paired him with uh, Chris Schenkel uh, for Giants games. So he was just a Giants commentator, of course, with his history with the team, and then he worked over with uh, a couple years later Jim Gibbons to uh, commentate on the Washington Redskins games. '68, uh, they uh, abandoned the practice of assigning dedicated announcing crews. And uh, he was he, he ascended to the network's lead national crew, and they put him with Jack Buck, father of Joe, and Ray Scott. And they did post you know they did post game coverage of the very first Super Bowl at the end of 1967, which is pretty cool. Trophy presentation, all that stuff, um, you know, really immersing. Excuse me, microphone went off for a second. Uh, really immersing, you know it fans viewers into the football product for the first time uh 1969 he uh took a part he did uh nbc's coverage of super bowl three and uh and yeah just i mean it's a lot of stuff i can legitimately list everything that he could do and we'd, we'd be here all day 81 though is when things got really good uh that's when he was he was partnered up with john madden um you know, a pairing that lasted for 22 seasons. They were pretty much inseparable when it came. They were inseparable when it came uh, to the commentary booth. 
And they, yeah, they first got put together November 25th, 1979. This is a tester. This is the, that was the test one, a Minnesota Vikings Tampa Bay Bucks game, but they were put together full time in 1981. And yeah, tons of Super Bowls together. It's, it's a, uh, it's, it's quite the resume. It's, it's quite the resume that they have. Uh, let's see. He did do some other sports, uh, of course, too. I did want to acknowledge that he, um, he, he used to cover hockey at, at one point in the late seventies, he was doing the Stanley cup finals. Um, he has done tennis golf. He does have a good voice for golf. Yeah. Really good voice for golf. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of his career in a, in, essentially in a nutshell, he retired. Uh, let's see. He did do some college, but he, he retired kind of in the middle of the 2000s. If I'm not mistaken, right? Like Oh, four Oh five. Oh, two. Oh, two. So it was a little bit sooner yeah. than that. February 3rd, 2002 Rams Patriots Super Bowl, The first one after, <clears throat> excuse me, after that game, he retired. That makes sense. That's one way, good way to go out. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, he had some health issues. Then in 2013, he ended up passing away uh, after he had surgery for a broken hip. Uh, he suffered from cardiac arrest, and at age 82, he passed away. So that was, uh, I mean, that was that's Pat Summerall, kind of in, in his, his current nutshell. Like I said, we can go on forever and list every single detail. He's a part of some of the biggest moments in NFL history, as far as being in the yeah. commentary booth. Uh, and so many, you know, people got the the pleasure of, of, of working with him. Right. He, he did a one-on-one se- segment with Troy Aikman, you know, uh, during off season, he, he just, he, 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 he found a way to keep busy in it. And uh, that's why he's a legend because his face and voice were, were pretty much put on everything. Yeah. He's actually, he's been in two movies. Black Friday, and he was also in the replacements because that was that made the replacements really cool for me to watch. That is to see John Madden and Pat Summerall do that. And then in uh, Black Friday, he was with uh, his original partner, Tom Brookshire. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I see he did a couple episodes of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Busy guy. Busy guy, but uh, absolutely loved the game of football. So. I didn't know this. He did the first episode of WrestleMania, the WrestleMania Rewind series for the WWE Network. Really? Yeah. That intrigues me. He's all over. Yeah. That's one way to do it. You you try and find your way in every single sports medium you can and just, just have some kind of presence, I guess. Uh, I mean, but as we said, he was, he, he could paint a picture. He was a, he was a minimalist and Ray Scott was a big influence on him because of that. You know, the way that he could just say certain things, you know, here's Marcus Allen cutting back up field and Marcus Allen could be gone 74 yards for Marcus Allen instead of like a bunch of emotions, but he had a very dry sense of humor to him. One of the things that I never realized, and probably because CBS did a lot of uh, NFC games, they were the NFC network, 
when I was growing up in the eighties and, you know, into the, into the mid nineties before NFC went to Fox, I guess he would, there was a little game that they would play to see how long he could do the pause for murder. She wrote murder. She wrote was a show that come on after, you know, the Sunday game and we all seen it, you know, we're watching football and it's the, you know, wherever time zone you are, it's the last game, whether it's the three o'clock, four o'clock, you know, game of that and they're telling you up after this is going to be you know this this and this but for murder she wrote he would go and after the game tune in for murder she wrote and it would just be a pause and madden you know madden was talking about it and he said there was a time where there's the CBS movie Gone with the Wind, and he did it for that. So he just was, you know, stay tuned for the CBS movie Gone with the Wind. And Madden said he lost it. He had to take off his headset and everything just, you know, just to recoup himself because of just the pause of everything that he would just say. And it wasn't, it, it was intentional just to, you know, play play a little joke and everything else. And him and Tom Berkshire got into a lot of shenanigans together off out of the commentating booth. Uh, At one point they were, you know, out on the town in New York city and they were getting the horse and carriage ride. And the guy made a comment that was giving them the ride said, you know, Hey, you guys look like you're having a good time. I wish I could join you. And they said, well, why can't you come along? And the, the carriage, you know, driver said, well, what am I going to do with the horse? And they said, bring it with you. So they tried to sneak a horse into the Plaza Hotel and get it onto the elevator, but the horse's head would not fit into underneath the elevator. So he is as dry as he seemed to be and as minimalistic and everything else. This guy had such a special sense of humor that I think most people don't realize because we just see him as the straight man to John Madden. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't really, he, the, the, you know, the, the gone with the wind, I, I'm, I'm going to look that up. I wonder if that's on YouTube, but it, it is, it's a very dry humor. It's a very, very dry humor, but he does sound like he was fun. Um, yeah, I know he battled alcoholism too. So yes. that kind of all makes sense. Uh, <laughs> they, they kind of all. He, he it, went it. He went into the Betty Ford Clinic, I think, in the early 90s. Yeah, Betty Ford Clinic had liver transplant, all that stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the quick way around it with uh with, with Pat Summerall. Great, you know, great voice, great uh you know, contributor to the game of football. He's gotta be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't think he is. I don't get that one. Right, they they do a broadcast one, right? Like they, 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 they yeah, but I don't know if I'm trying to check it out now. I mean, he's got he's got to be football was his calling card. I know he did a bunch of other things, but that was you know what he did for the game. That's. Uh, no, I don't. He's not in the Hall of Fame because obviously, for the player, um, 
he's got to be in there at some point. I mean, even if you put them, I don't see if you put John Madden in. I don't know if Madden is. I'm just saying, I don't see if you could put John Madden in how you could not put Pat Summerall in there. You figured you would just put them together. Right. Both of you in there. Because he had a 50-year career, 50 year career between playing and broadcasting. Madden mentioned they, they did 22 Thanksgiving Day games together. So you got to put them in there at some point. Yeah, if anybody, I mean, even if it's a special under such special circumstance, he he deserves it. But like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I like to believe that Madden got in for coaching and broadcasting. You know, probably more so broadcasting than being a coach. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like Summerall deserves a spot there. That was a pretty decent coach, though. I he was. He, no, he was. But it's, I think it's he one retired with the highest winning percentage. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those tricky situations, though, but he should posthumously. Yeah, I think that's how it's done. Posthumously, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> get, get in. And I, I would definitely uh, I would definitely vote for that one. Yeah, he should be in there. Yeah. But all right, everybody, that is it for Pat Summerall. We got one more, right? We got one, just one more. One more. Just one more uh, commentator, broadcaster, voice of the NFL that we're going to talk about. Andrew, who are we talking about next week? John Facenda. Ah, yes, your favorite. My all-time favorite. If I swear, if I die and I go to heaven and God doesn't sound like, sound like John Facenda, I'm going to be like, what are you supposed to sound like? <laughs> Perfect. Well, very excited to talk about Mr. John Facenda next week. Uh, to our listeners, You know, thank you so much as always for tuning in. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two point conversation is good.